some fun today in the Lord, uh, as we usually do. Um, but again, John and I are communicating, but we're, you know, we're not communicating because we're doing we're doing worship there. And I'm thinking, man, there is just some serious like resistance in the house. And it's funny, the Bible says this. It says that we do not war with flesh and blood, but with powers, with principalities, with rulers in dark places. And, and Paul even says that, that sometimes when we preach, we preach here, okay? But sometimes when we preach, we're preaching up there and we reveal mysteries and we declare truths to God in the heavenlies. And this, this happened a lot when we were on the mission field. I remember one time I was in India and we were doing like an open air preaching and all of a sudden in this dust, okay, as we're sharing Jesus, these two dogs start fighting. It's like this massive, giant, bloody dog fight right here. I'm thinking, man, that's, I got some spiritual resistance there. And, and I can't even tell you how many times we're down in the hood and we're feeling like this is going to be a good night. And all of a sudden, you know, and it's, it's Thursday night, by the way, which is the night that the drugs come into the inner city, okay? It's number one night for SWAT raids. So you're starting to preach, and then all of a sudden, in where you are, the helicopters are over top. And you're like... And, and, and there's two things. I mean, one, it's frustrating. But on the other hand, you know, you're saying to yourself, <laughs> this is not a bad little sign here, okay? I think God wants to do some business. So, um, you know, as, as John was, was talking right before, I'm just getting a little irritated, okay, with the resistance that the enemy is, is putting up. And, and this, this scripture came to mind, okay? Because and this, I'm, not, I'm not preaching this to you. I'm preaching this one up here. So let me just share this. This is... This is This is Psalm 2, okay? This is God's attitude, okay, toward resistance. He says this. He says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let us break the chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. God laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king in Zion on his holy hill. And you need to understand this. Everyone needs to understand this. That Jesus has been enthroned in this house. Today, he rules and he reigns. Okay, God is absolutely in charge. He inhabits. When we come together, he is here. I mean, if, if we were to take the tears that have been cried in this house, okay, we would have a swimming pool for where God has melted hearts and brought them into God. We had one person, okay, who was part of an HIV study. She had HIV. She got prayer, was on the ground. God ministered to her. She got kicked out of the study because she didn't have HIV anymore. God rules and he reigns. And we are in a state where it says, with God, all things are possible. So when we gather and God is here, all things are possible Anything can happen, and we declare to every ruler, every foul spirit, everything that tries to bring resistance so that you're dulled down and you don't encounter God in some amazing way, we declare that our God reigns. And all God's people said, amen. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're just, we're just going to break a few things here. So, I mean, not, not any equipment, I hope, but, uh, but we're going to break a few things. You know... Literally, I, I like to have fun, and um, I was up in Michigan recently, and um, you know, I had an opportunity. The, the band invited me up on stage to play cowbell, okay? And I, 
I mean, that has just always been one of my things. I mean, what a, I mean, it's an instrument, maybe the only instrument I can play. JC, did I play a good cowbell? Okay, the guy was having a problem with the cowbell, and, you know, as Bruce Dickinson said, I had a fever, and the only cure was more cowbell. So... I, I honestly could not share that until we dealt with all the little resistance things there. So, um, so but, but this is a lead-in. Okay, now how do you use that in Saturday Night Live skit? <laughs> More cowbell to relate this to Jesus. Well, I don't know if the Saturday Night Live people realize that that was going to be redeemed, but today that, that's redeemed because, see, God has prescriptions. He has prescriptions for us. And if you don't know it or not, we've been part of a, a series, a long series. I mean, you know, what, about 39 weeks on healing, John? I always like to give him grief. No, it's only been about eight weeks, okay? It's like the, it's the never-ending healing series, okay? But it, it, really, it really isn't healing, okay? What it is, it's, it's sozo. It's the Greek word sozo, which means salvation. And a lot of times in our paradigm, okay, in Christianity, we say, well, salvation, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, it's done. Uh, uh, uh. No, the meaning of sozo, as John has shared during this series, it's, it's a wholeness. It's, okay, your sins are forgiven, but God wants to heal your body. He wants to deal with your addiction issues. He, want to deal, he wants to deal with your anxiety. He wants to deal with anything that is impairing the wonderful gift that we have in Jesus, okay, to have wholeness, to have fellowship, to not live our life alone under anxiety and whatever. That is what this series is about. So you've come in... Like, I don't know, week 10, week 29, who cares, but you're, you're here. Two weeks ago, um, not a lot of people were there. I think you guys were all, I don't know, maybe you were up in Michigan too. Who knows? It's a great place to go. It, it is God's country. Um, but Mario Bergner, who is this international healing teacher, he shared on Romans 7. And Romans 7, of course, that's that, that famous verse where Paul says, and we can all relate to this, why is it that I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I know I need to do. You know, you remember that one? We've all maybe said, yeah, that is so true. I really relate to that. And um, he shared really what Paul was getting at because there's a part of us, and we all know this, it's, the, it's what he called the I myself, okay? I myself want to do good. I myself want to honor God. I want to worship God. I want to live my life before him. Yet sin working in me, it, it just it gets in the way. But he said this. He says, God sees the I myself. He sees that part of you deep inside that says, God, I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper of you. That's what he sees. His blood covers the other stuff. And he said that, and that's why in Romans 8 starts out with this, therefore, therefore there is no what? Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So his prescription was understand that God is always calling you. He's saying, come. He's saying, come. I see who you want to be, even though you're not achieving it, even though you're not doing it. Maybe you've fallen. Maybe you've fallen 20 times this month. But you know what? I, I see the light in you. I see what I've revealed in you, and I love you, and I'm calling you. Amen? And that was, that was Mario's prescription, okay? So last week, John had a prescription for us. Okay, and his prescription was that if you want to encounter God, if you want to attain the sozo, the salvation, the wholeness, the healing, okay, you need to learn how to do this. It's called wait upon the Lord. And it was extremely practical. He says you need to carve out time 
Whether it's at the beginning of your day, at the end of your day, carve out time and allow the buzz, the confusion, all that stuff that gets in the way, that, that, that gets in the way of the reality of God's love for you. Press it aside and wait upon him and he will meet you. And it's a deliberate act. I mean, it sounds passive, waiting upon the Lord, but it's a deliberate act. And it says in the scriptures that when you wait upon the Lord, you will what? You will renew your strength and you will rise up with wings like eagles. Amen? So that there's this place of waiting on the Lord where he strengthens you. He changes your state and brings you to the next place. So today, Dr. Noland from the state of Michigan is bringing another prescription to you, okay? And this prescription, this prescription, I'd say it is probably God's most powerful drug. So if you leave here saying, dude, like the pastor was talking about like heavenly drugs, okay, you're missing it here, okay? In fact, just so that there is no confusion, um, why don't, instead of calling it a drug, why don't we call it a bio-spiritual agent? Say that, bio-spiritual agent. Okay. Wow, what's a bio-spiritual agent? I kind of like this. This is a new revelation. God has a variety of bio-spiritual agents. You know, one of them is understanding that there is no condemnation, right? That's it. Wow, that changes me, okay? That agent has gotten into my life, my bio. It's gotten into my spirit, and it's changed me. Waiting on the Lord does the same thing. When we read Scripture, okay, we encounter the Word, the living Word of God. God says, my, my words are spirit, my words are life. We encounter that and we, we're changed. So these are all bio-spiritual agents. But what I'm going to talk about today is what I think is the most powerful bio-spiritual agent, and that is worship. It's funny because, you know, you didn't necessarily know what I was talking about because you had, John had me slated for something else, but... I think the Lord knew what we needed to talk about, so I'm kind of excited. We're on the same page here. The thing about worship and why it's such a powerful bio-spiritual agent is that it can bypass things. I mean, it can, it can just bypass. In fact, the Word of God says that he is literally, his presence, his being, his, who he is, is in the worship. And there's, there's two scriptures that you've, you've probably heard that, that declare this. The first one is, is this. Okay, this is kind of a mundane scripture. You're going to be like, this is so not exciting. But the scripture's this. It says, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. Okay, you've heard that, right? And it's like, oh yeah, he's here, right? Well, no, he is here. He is here. That scripture means this, is that when you gather in his name, whether you're praying, reading the Bible, having a discussion, having a cup of coffee, talking about life, okay, when you're there as believers, God's in your midst, Okay? He really, really is. But you see, we don't, we don't think about the supernatural dynamic, the aspect, the atmosphere of that, that things can happen when that, when that happens. So I'm up in Michigan, and um, I'm on some kind of flotilla, and I'm talking with one of my friends who works in the defense industry. And he is telling me about um, this tank technology that they have, where um, the, the armor is like this intelligent armor. So if you fired something at a tank... Okay, the tank, as soon as it hits, within like milliseconds, it's launching an RPG back to that place where it came from, okay? I mean, it's, it's got this intelligent system. And I'm telling you this for two reasons. Number one, if you ever shoot at a tank, make sure that you run, okay, because there's an RPG coming your way quickly. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the second reason, and really the, the real reason, is, you know, if man, okay, can develop technology... Okay, where it knows, 
you know, that things are coming at them or to them. Isn't it, doesn't it make sense that God, the maker of the universe, when we gather in his name, that something goes out and something comes back called his presence? Does that make sense? So it is a, it is a reality, it is a dynamic. Now, that is a cool dynamic, but there's an even more powerful dynamic as well. Okay, and that is the dynamic of uh, Psalm 22.2, or 22.3, and it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of his people. So God inhabitists us. He, he inhabitists us. Or in the non-King James, he makes a habitation. When we start worshiping God, when we begin giving him thanksgiving, declaring who he is, okay, something happens, okay? He sets up camp. He sets up a habitation. He's here. He's moving about. Somehow he's on the praises of the people. The spiritual mechanics probably look something like this, is that from your heart and your spirit, you declare a truth. Other people are declaring the same truth. All of a sudden, there's this giant target, and then boom, God shows up, and he's inhabiting, uh, he's inhabiting our praises. And it's I don't know, when that happens, it's, I mean, that is the place where literally God's presence is and, and all things are possible. Now, when I was, you know, coming to the vineyard for the first time, one of my mentors was Roy Venata, and Roy Venata comes from a Pentecostal background. And the Pentecostals, they understand this idea of God sort of moving in your midst. And he told me about this thing, and I like the terminology, he called it the dancing hand of God, okay? That in a meeting, whether it's in worship or in praise, God's hand just starts moving in different places. Because you could be in a worship meeting and, I mean, somebody over here is like throwing down donuts like they're Skittles, okay? But then over here, you know, somebody is just on the floor like weeping like a little baby, you know, because God is moving. See, God's hand is moving. And as we engage with him, there's this, this technology, this mechanics that starts happening where God's moving on our part, you know, the dancing hand. I remember one time when the dancing hand was present in our church, and uh, it, was, it was a good worship service. And at the end of it, John gets up, and there was a woman sitting dead center in the middle. She was sitting right there. And she stands up, and she was a visitor, which is really unusual. So uh, she raised her hand. John called on her. And she says, I just want to let you know that during worship, um, while we were worshiping, uh, I came in with a hernia, and I was in a lot of pain. But I felt this wind just shoot through me, and I don't have any pain anymore. You know, and I'm healed. The dancing hand of God the presence of God in worship, you know, and it, it happens. We can't control it. A lot of times it just, it just kind of in, invades us. So what we need to understand about this, this is a powerful uh, bio-spiritual agent, okay? Sometimes we're not in control of it. It, it, it just comes after, it comes after us sometimes. But when we engage with it, lots of cool things can happen. So you get that. Well, I don't know, the last month or so, actually it's more than a month, I've just been feeling kind of dry, and as spiritually dull as I am, uh, I still know that when you encounter worship, there's something that does kind of change in you a little bit. I said, you know, I need to do something. So I was real deliberate, and I made some CDs with some worship music, and I uh, said, you know what, while I work, I'm going to have some you know, I'm going to have some worship music on. And there's a scripture in Ephesians, and it talks about that, that we're cleansed, that our spirits get cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. Isn't that an idea? The word of God flows over you. And you may not, you may be passive. You, it may just be in the background. But there's a cleansing happening because the word is washing over you. Truth is washing over you. Again, Jesus says, my words are life and my words are spirit. And a lot of times we minimize and discount the impact that that, that washing of the word happens. So when I'm writing copy and doing 
things that require my, a lot of my mind, I might turn the worship down. But when I'm doing the pab, pablomatic, detailed kind of things, I've got the worship on. So about a week ago, I'm sitting there, and uh, all of a sudden, the song comes on. And, and here, here are the lyrics that, that, that I heard. Um, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. And I've heard that song. We sing that song here at church a lot. But as soon as I heard, um, you know, it's a new day dawning, let me sing my song again, that just connected with the truth that God had revealed to me. That, you know, that my life is not just this meaningless life, but, but I have a song to sing here on this earth. That my higher purpose, okay, is not writing copy and doing little mundane things, but no, 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 I am, I am eternal. I am, I am with God, okay, and I've got a song to sing, and suddenly I just get snapped out of the pablum of my work, and I just put my hands up in the air, and I'm like, oh, yes, yes, and I just started worshiping. I mean, tears are coming down. I didn't plan this, but God just, just invaded me Okay, with worship, the power of song and truth together. And then the second verse comes, and it says this. It says, you are rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And I'm just like, oh, you are so kind. I couldn't even say that because it was just, just God's presence was melting over me. And I, we just had this, this experience. But you see, God wants to use this powerful bio-spiritual agent to just invade you and to take truth and just, just pour it into you. And, and some of you, um, you've heard about some of these, these drugs, these um, targeting drugs that, that they'll have, whether it's um, you know, mag- magnetic properties or whatever, but it allows a dose, instead of getting lost in your system, to hit a particular target, okay? I think God in his wisdom, okay, has arranged worship in such a way that it's like this, he takes truth, okay, which is essentially, let's say, left brain, it's like, you know, we ponder it in our mind, okay? He puts it into music, okay, which is very right brain, which is our spirit. And he combines this into this little cocktail, this little bio-spiritual cocktail that's extremely powerful. And when it goes in, okay, it hits a target that is much deeper than, let's say, a song or a scripture would be on its own, but it it becomes this thing and it becomes life to you. I can't tell you how many times um, I've just been impacted by when the truth of God is mixed with music, okay? Because it gets all of you, and then it, it's stored in this place in you because God, he, he changes you. Again, he's in, he's in that, and as you make contact with him, he's changing you. He's changing you by the, just the truth in the word. When we were, um, I mean, a long time ago um, at this church, um, one of the songs we sang was a song out of the book of Exodus. The vineyard's known for singing scriptural truths and putting song to them, and it's the most simple song. It's like about five lines, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it with you because God revealed some amazing truths in this song, and it's, it was the song Exodus 15. It's the song of Moses when they came out of the, um, the desert after God delivered him. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I shall prepare my heart, and I shall prepare my heart, and I shall prepare my heart. And I remember at home group when we would sing it, that, that God would just, just pour this truth into me that says that, that, 
that our worship to Him is this heart preparation, and that there's, there's a day, there, there, this, this day, this is ultimate reality, this is the day that all of us stand face to face with our Maker. What do we have to give Him? You know what we have to give Him? It's right here, it's called our heart. Okay, and this idea, this concept that our lives are about shaping our heart, okay, and that every little decision of worship where instead of being self-absorbed and doing what we want, we say, you know what, I'm going to go serve this person. You know what, I'm going to give some money here. You know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to spend some time with God. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. It's those decisions, okay, that cause our heart to increase and cause this gift cause, called our heart for us to be able to present that to him. Isn't that, isn't that a, a wild concept? But you see, that's, that's what worship is. Worship at its heart, I think the word is, is shakah, and it means to, to, to bow down, to be prostrate, to humble yourself, okay? To choose God rather than yourself, that his will is greater than your will. And as we do that, there's something that happens in our heart, and our heart becomes a true gift, you know, to God that we can present to them. And um, again, that was part of the, I, I think, the truth that was happening when I had this experience. Now, Maggie and I, for about 12 years, we led this ministry, and a lot of you have been down to the shelters and working with the poor. And um, <laughs> just to be really honest, let me just say this. Uh, it can be a little tiring and a little demanding and a little taxing when you're getting phone calls and all sorts of things. And we were fine, you know, with most of it. Um, but one thing that we really didn't like was um, in the early days... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're back there, I see you. Before we had the Yukon, Virginia, um, we had our little church van, which was this little mini thing, and we would pack, oh, let's see, it seats two, three, about five or six comfortably. We would have 12 ladies who were a hair ornery for being having a sleepover in the shelter for two months, okay, into this van, and they came to church because they loved to hear John speak, but we also took them to a buffet afterwards. Um, so... <laughs> But let me put it this way, I don't care what, and in fact, I will challenge anyone who's had a bad kid experience in the car, except for maybe the egg incident, JC, um, if you've had a bad kid incident in the car on the way to church where there's angry things happening, we had this all the time. So Maggie would wake up in the morning, and, and she would just be laying there, and she'd say, oh, no, not bus ministry, not bus ministry, and it was the one thing that eventually we had to stop because it was just, it was just too painful. It just was. It was too painful. But, you know, along the way, though, um, again, the Lord gave us a song, okay, that, that, that ministered to us. And I'm going to just share um, uh, the lyrics uh, to this song. And you, you know the song. It says, Lord, the love you give, you give so generously. You were my sacrifice. You gave your life for me. Now I want to give, just as I've received, to live a life that shines your love for those in need. Lord, let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song to your heart. And in doing this ministry, you know, when, when times would get, get tough, it's like that song was this little truth. It's like, yeah, why are you doing this? Are you doing it, you know, for the women? Yeah, you're doing it for the women and to be there. But you know who you're doing it for? You're doing it for him because he loved you so much. He loved you so much. And it's, it's a love response. It's a worship response. That's, that's why we serve. I mean, you know, we have this much natural kindness in our heart, but all of a sudden when God enters in, you're serving him, you've got a lot more capacity to love and give. That, that doesn't 
doesn't dry up because God doesn't change. So we put our hope in him, and that drives us to love and to give and to serve. Amen? Okay, one, one, more, one more lyric. Um, I was in a season of, uh, I don't know, um, to describe this. Uh, I just was not maybe in a good place, and I was feeling under condemnation. So I'm at this particular conference, and I'm like, man, how can you worship? You know, you're, people think this, and people think that, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. So all of a sudden, this song comes on, and you guys know the song. It's from like from the 90s, and it says, come, now is the time to worship. And the next line is what got me. Come, come as you are before your God come. So I'm like, whoa, I'm not in a good place. But what is God saying to me? It's like, get, get your act cleaned up, and when you're cleaned up, then why don't you come and why don't you worship me? Okay, because right now you're really dirty. No. God was saying to me that I see the I myself that loves, that just, just wants to be. And that's who I see, and I'm calling you in whatever state you're in. And a lot of times, I know a lot of you folks are wrestling with things, and you come to church, and it's buried down, and it's hidden, it's struggles, it's issues, it's things, but hear the voice of the Lord, that he says, come, come, come as you are and worship me, because in that place of worship is where transactions take place that change you. How are you going to change on your own? Are you going to, well, I'm going to get my act together because I'm so powerful. No, you're going to get your act together because you're going to come before your God and you're going to allow his truth to wash over you. I mean, isn't this, isn't this kind of what happens maybe when you first came to the vineyard? I mean, how many people, seriously, that you walk into this church with this crazy dynamic going on of two or three being gathered and worship going on and you just find yourself crying? I mean, it's like, the normally self-controlled, bunged-up, non-emotional guy, okay, or sometimes, you know, women who are doing a good job of making everything look good, okay, suddenly that stuff's broken down, and you are freaking out because you don't know what's going on. It's like, what is going on here because I've not done anything? No, you have walked into a very dangerous presence where there is, it's not Ebola, but it's a more powerful bio-spiritual agent that can change you. And you may misinterpret what's going on, but what is going on is this, is that your creator, who maybe you haven't talked to for a long time, maybe you've never even experienced him, but you're part of his line, and that there's a resonating that is taking place between your spirit, okay, and the spirit of God saying, you are home. This is a place that you know, whether you know it or not. This is fellowship with me. This is the place that you need to be. And God, he just calls you. Even when we don't understand it, he bypasses all the little things we put up to make ourselves look good. And he gets in. I mean, that's just, that's just the way he rolls. Amen? Okay, so here's a wild thought. When these things happen, okay these experiences that you have in worship where God's truth is put in, that they, they kind of, they go somewhere. They, they become part of your, I don't know, who you are. And it's like they go up into this place, like this little cloud that you can access. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, God will reaccess truth that I have. He creates like this cloud of experiences, okay, that are the fabric of your relationship. Sometimes you forget about them, but sometimes he brings them to uh, into fruition. A few weeks ago, I talked about that we have this capacity to hear God and talk to God. It's called, like, I call it the G network, you know, where we have bandwidth to talk to God and actually hear. 
Well, we also have a G cloud, okay, which is our experience. It's up in the cloud. Well, what happened? It's up in the cloud, okay? God, okay, has given us a storage unit, okay? It's called our human heart, but it's, it's like a cloud, and we can pull it down. We can say, oh, I remember when that happened. And it encourages and it strengthens us, just like, you know, with, uh, I don't know, if you guys have... Uh, your phones, every once in a while I'll look down and I've got like Dropbox, you know, and it says Dropbox is loading your photos up into the cloud, okay? Well, when you have experiences with God, they're in the cloud, okay? They're always there, okay? You may not be, realize it, but they're always there, and God wants you to be able to access these things. So, I thought it would be kind of wild to exercise the G network and ask the Lord, say, Lord, what, why don't I just ask you what you want to tell us you know, about worship. <laughs> now, for those of you who talk to God who are kind of crazy like me and talk to God, it's, it's fun, but there are times I don't necessarily want to ask him things because I'm afraid of the answer. You know, it's like, you might, what if you asked me to go to Africa right now? There is no way. I don't think I would do that. Well, anyway, we have a lot of, you know, fears or things. So, but I did ask him this question. I said, Jesus, what do you want to tell us about worshiping you? Okay. Can I share the, what, I, what I got as the answer? You can evaluate whether it's heresy or whether I need to be, you know, thrown off the cliffs here. Okay, so this is what I, what I transcribed. It says, I am looking for you to come near me. I want you to approach me. For when you worship me, you are ministering to me. You are showing your love for me. You are acknowledging me in a tangible way in your declarations or songs or by the way you love others. When you submit yourself, your rights in favor of me or others, it is worship to me. So I'm like, okay, I think that's biblical. I can, I can go with that. I'm submitting things to you. I'm declaring you. I think that might have been from God, okay? So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Very, very, what if I asked him, what if there's more? So I said, okay, God, what else? This is what I got. I love spending time with you. I love it when you choose to spend time with me. When you acknowledge who I am, what I'm like, how I feel about you or about things, I become more real to you. That is where you can experience me. That is where you can receive my love. In that place, you can be changed in so many ways. So we have a God in his wisdom who's mandated us to worship him, not because he's insecure and he needs people to tell him how great he is. No, because the problem we have, I think one of the biggest problems we have is we are so self-absorbed we are so focused on the things of this world and this life, okay, that our consciousness, the reality of God's presence in us and around us isn't there. But again, in God's awesome wisdom, when we say, God, you, you're my provider. It's not my boss. It's, you know, you're my provider. You're the one who watched over me in this time. And, uh, and as we thank God and say, God, thank you for my children. Thank you for, for doing this and doing that. All of a sudden, that which is far off, the invisible God, starts to get more real. And we, we, just, we, we just touch him. We touch him by doing that. In his wisdom, that's where we come close. And suddenly, the solutions that we can't think of because we're not connected to God, you know, we're connected to him. And it says this too. This is in, uh, in Corinthians. It says, but we, with unveiled face, beholding, as in the mirror, the glory of God, we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So there's this principle that we become what we behold. If one of you guys were to hang out with some millionaire entrepreneur and just go to all these different meetings, at a certain point, 
some of that stuff's going to wear off. I mean, that's how, for generations, people learn trades. Sons would be with their fathers learning trades, and the stuff would go. That is the best way to learn. So what God is doing with worship, with this idea of worship, is like, come, behold me, see me. Allow these realities, these truths to come into you because when that happens, you start to change. Your heart changes. You're less selfish. You start choosing me. You start doing the things that really your I myself wants to do. You become more and more. Mario was saying, he says, you know, there are godly younger people, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot more godly, righteous older people who have been trained and who have learned, okay, by their multiple encounters with God. It's just, it, it's just the way it is. So we, we hang out with God in worship, and he imparts stuff. Even He's imparting when you don't even know he's imparting. Amen? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was pretty much done. I'm like, okay, that's very safe. This is very cool. But being the adventurous person I am, I asked one more question. I said, okay, is there anything else that you want to share with me and our church? This is what he said. Okay, and you can evaluate it, okay? Honesty. I see your heart. I know your thoughts. You heard me say, I desire worshipers who worship me in spirit and truth. Being honest about your condition, your sins, your fears, your uncertainties, opening up your heart with honesty allows us to commune with one another. Now, how many times, seriously, have you done something, you know, wrong, not good, and you say to yourself, man, I can't believe I did that, you know? I cannot believe I did that. I mean, it's funny, they have this thing on TV, they, they, they call it the walk of shame, you know, or whatever, you know, let those who know what that means. But anyway, we, we, we do these things that, that are, 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 are wrong, okay, but um, I don't know, God already knows it. It's like, he's not surprised. It's like, um, I, I got this message, it's like, I, I, I had done something, and he's like, Jay, I see your heart, okay? The fact that you did that, okay, I see the seething anger and rage and various things that's in your heart. It's not surprising that happened. I'm like, oh, okay. So why don't you deal with the anger and rage? Why don't you deal with those issues in your heart? So, you know, God's like that, which I think is kind of cool. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the worship, you know, that does it. And he said this, he said, you know, spirit and truth. Worship me in spirit and truth. Isn't that like a spiritual thing? I mean, I mean, I, we've all heard that nine gazillion times. In fact, Scott, very cool. Again, God's on the, on the march here. He didn't know what I was talking about. He shares that scripture, you know, during worship. Worshiping in spirit and truth is real simple. You know, spirit, what, God is searching for worshipers. This, this, let me, let me just, just read what the scripture says. Okay, and, and Jesus is talking, he's arguing with this woman about, you know, where do you worship, on this mountain or this hill or whatever, and this woman is trying to get in an argument with Jesus about, you know, what the right worship is. So Jesus says to her, he says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So worshiping him in spirit means that, that you're, you're coming with the right intent. How many of you have ever heard the term uh, the spirit of the law? Well, you know, that's true, but the spirit of the law was not that, okay? Meaning the intent of the law, okay, was not to produce this. The intent of the law was to do that. So when we come before God, we come in the right spirit, okay? God is not saying, as some unnamed religions, if you don't convert, we will chop your head off, okay? He's not saying that. Okay, he's saying, I am looking for worshipers who come in the right spirit with a desire to please me, with a desire to have fellowship with me, with a desire to commune with me. I mean, 
there are sometimes that you drag yourself into, um, into church because you just don't have anything left. God sees that. That's beautiful to God. Because, you know, you, you, there's this desire to honor him. And you may not be feeling it. You may feel, I'm not in the right spirit. You know, as John was, was talking about, you, you could just be weary as all get out. But God sees that little fire. It says, I just got to get in his presence because that's the only hope I have for changing me. You know? But God is looking for those who want to worship him, who want to come close to him. That's, that's the kind of worship. It's just that's the kind of worshipers he seeks. There's a, a verse in Chronicles that says that the eyes of God, they go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those hearts that are completely given over, him, over to him. So what that means, that's a little tidbit about the character of God. Okay? God is looking for worshipers. God is looking for people who, who trust him, who come to him. I mean, he is actively, aggressively, proactively seeking out people who do that. I mean, that's, that's you. You're of that generation. You're of the you know, 27% that are in church on Sundays because something inside you is saying, I need to get more of God. I need, I need to be built up in him. And that, that's a good thing. And then, and then we have truth. You know, again, there are lots of gods. There's lots of perceptions of gods. People, people will tell you, you know, well, you know, you need to worship this way and this is what that means. And you know, worship is not, um, is not legalistic. It's not about worshiping on this mountain or that mountain. Worship is, is about understanding and knowing your God. If anybody's here, if you're a new believer especially, or if you're an older believer who hasn't encountered God on a deep level, the most important thing, the most important thing that you can get from your pursuit of religion, be it here or anywhere else, your pursuit of God is understand his character. You know, what is he like? You know, what does he like? What does he hate? What does he do? When you, when you read stories, you know, wow, I can't believe that was his response. That's wild. And if we can understand his character and who he is, that is like a bedrock. That is, that is a foundation because he's so much higher. I mean, there's a psalm that says that, lead me, Lord, to the rock that is higher than I, that is so much altogether different than I am and is so much better. Lead me to that place because that's where I'm going to get imparted to. That's where I'm going to learn from. So we worship in him in truth by, by just understanding his character and who he is. So Brandon, why don't you come up? We're going um, to end, end this way just with a, just a song of worship, you know, unto the Lord. Um, you know, it's funny because um, with guys, uh, you know, when you worship, there, there's a process that God is, you know, maintains as we enter um, his gates with thanksgiving. We, we thank God, the reality of the blessings God's given us. We enter his gates and we get a little closer to him. Then the, then the scripture says we get a little closer because we enter his courts with praise. Okay, so we're going a little closer. We're, we're saying, God, you are, you're my provider. You're my shepherd. You're the one who leads me here to this place, who takes care of me. God, you are the creator God. You've made this awesome universe. I mean, who is like you? And as we do this, we get closer to him. But then there's another place in God and in worship, okay? And it's called, it's, it's the place of beholding his beauty, okay? And this is a place, and it's so hard, especially for us guys to understand. I mean, we understand beauty, you know, rather superficially, okay? But here's the thing, okay? Beauty is about seeing the beautiful things, the beautiful expressions in people. It's like I, I look at Maggie and I see the way that sometimes she can just decorate a place and all of a sudden it comes to life and I'm like, wow, that's beauty. 
you know, or I, I go to Lisa Mooney's house for our home group, and there's this air of hospitality, okay, that's there where everybody just feels welcome and whatever. That is beautiful, okay? That is beauty. Or women with, you know, with guys, okay? Well, my husband's beautiful. Well, he's beautiful. He's kind of rugged and manly. It's like, no, no, you should see him because he goes to work and he works overtime for me. Or at that time, he was with the family and he defended me. He stuck up against his mom when his mom was coming against me. You look at your husband when that happens and say, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. And the beauty realm of God in worship, okay, understanding God's beautiful, okay, has to do with, with understanding this is how he responded to me. That it's not like, like Islam where it says, God will not love you if you don't, don't do this or don't do this. No, no. You see, we have a God who said this. He said, while you were in your sin, while you were in rebellion, while you hated me, Christ died for you. That his love is unconditional. He comes after you. Even if you're not faithful, he's faithful. And he stays with you the whole time. That is beautiful, isn't it? That is the